Today on Bold Steps with Mark Job, we unpack the liberating power of God's grace. The only one that could throw the stone was Jesus, but instead of throwing the stone, he offered grace. That's the power of the gospel. The one person that can send you to hell, the one person who has the right to say, I'm perfect and you're not, instead he offers the grace that pushes condemnation away. And welcome to Bold Steps with Mark Job. Mark is president of Moody Bible Institute and senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Well, at some point or another, many of us find ourselves hoping for a second chance. And Mark, I have my spies. Little Bird tells me that you have an interesting story of your own about a time you really could have used a do-over yourself. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I think you're referring to my honeymoon where I actually was driving and knocked a policeman over. (laughs) Okay, that's the one I want to hear more about. (laughs) And knocked a policeman over in Switzerland, uh, and uh, when we were going around one of those roundabouts, and this man was, well, he was gracious enough not to give me a ticket and to let me go scot-free. So that's grace and mercy. That second chance is grace and mercy mixed together. It really helped my honeymoon be a much better honeymoon than spending it in a Swiss jail. (laughs) I guess so. All right. Well, the message is the power of a second chance, and we're in John chapter 8. Here's Mark. I want to take you to a story in the Bible where we learn the power of a second chance. It's found in John chapter 8, verses 3 through 12. You've probably heard this story before, but it's one of the most compelling stories that has at its character a woman. A woman who is caught in a very difficult situation. She's distraught, but she's brought in honor herself. I'll begin reading in verse 1 of John chapter 8. It says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives at dawn, He appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. So Jesus has a group of people that are gathering. They want to hear him. His reputation has gone before him. He's known as a rabbi, a profound teacher, a miracle worker. Some people come to accuse him. Other people come to just see this person that people are talking about. There's rumors That he touches the eyes of the blind and they see. Other rumors talk about his compassion, his power. Some say he's an imposter. Some say he's a political leader. Some say he's a revolutionary. The Pharisees are there. The young, the old, the inquisitors are there. All seen trying to hear this man named Jesus. And while he's there at the front of the temple, outside of the religious place, there's a commotion that he hears over there. And it says in verse 3, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. And they made her stand before the group and they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, it's commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Jesus is right in front of the temple. 
crowds are gathering around. He's trying to teach them about God and love and the ways of the ways of the Messiah. In a commotion, people hollering, screaming. He hears an angry crowd t- coming towards him. As the crowd split open, there's a Pharisee leading the charge, dressed like you saw in the depiction earlier, in the robes and the long beard. And they were religious people. They were very, they were the almost like lawyers in the religious seat, uh, uh, setting. And they were respected by the people. They march in and they're dragging a woman, probably by the hair, and they throw this woman in front of Jesus and they say, Jesus, this woman that you have right here, I'm sure that she was crying in distraught tears, her hair messed up, people around her with rocks in their hands, uh, angrily spitting at her, accusing her, just waiting for the signal so they could throw the rocks. And they say to Jesus, Jesus, what do you say? The law says that we should stone her. And by the way, stoning was a brutal way of dying in which people would gather stones, the larger the better, and they would put the victim in the middle and then they would gather the stones and start throwing stones at that person until they died. A brutal way of dying. Now the Bible tells us that they gathered this woman not because they cared about what Jesus had to say, not because they were concerned about this woman, not because they wanted justice, not because they really wanted to follow the law, but it says that they brought this woman to Jesus because they wanted to entrap Jesus. Can I tell you something? Sometimes people use our own shame and our past for their own benefit. They could care less about this woman, what drove her to adultery, the marriage that she was breaking up. And hello, by the way, there was a man in this picture too that seems to be absent. By the way, in the law, it said you bring the man and the woman together and they could be accused, they could be stoned. In this, in this instance, they just bring the woman. And you say, well, why were they, what was the entrapment they were trying to bring about to Jesus? Well, here's the thing. Uh, if Jesus said, yes, stone her, then the Pharisees concluded that they could take Jesus to the Romans and that Jesus could be prosecuted because you could not execute a person without the permission of the Romans who were the oppressors of Israel. They were the invaders. Do you remember when Jesus uh, was brought before the Jewish people and they said, crucify him? Who did they have to get permission from? Pilate, because Pilate was a Roman governor, and although the Jewish authorities wanted to crucify Jesus, they had no right to do it without the permission of the Roman governor, so they had to get permission from Pilate. the, The Jewish people knew that if Jesus said stone her, then they could take him to the Uh, the Roman governors, and that he would be put in prison. If Jesus said, don't stone her, then they would be, then they would take Jesus to the, the, the high priest of the Jewish, and they would say he's a breaker of the law. So it was a lose lose situation. If he said stone her, he would lose. If he said don't stone her, he would lose. And so the Pharisees thought, aha, we have Jesus. I want, I want you to notice that in the middle of this is a woman with issues. A marriage that's broken, a man that's run away, someone that's in shame, 
but they could care less about them because they had an agenda. How many of you have ever been caught in an agenda before? Someone else is trying to do their thing, manipulate, trying to prove a point, and suddenly you're caught in the middle of it. And your shame and your issues become the tool that they use, but it's really not about you, could care less about you, could care less about that person, but you're in the middle. Sometimes, sometimes, we're caught in the middle of agendas. I want you to notice this about Jesus, though, and the people that he's surrounded by. There's always people that are going to try to use your shame, the shame of your past, and remind you of your failures or use them to their own advantage. Some of you are here today, and you may not have been thrust in the middle of a crowd, but you have chapters in your life that you are ashamed of. In fact, maybe you're here today feeling like, I don't belong in a church like this because if people sitting next to me knew really what I've done, knew my background, knew my story, I think they would leave two seats between me and them. Maybe you're here today feeling like every time you walk into a place of worship, you walk in with your head down. Maybe you feel shame. Maybe you feel guilt. Maybe you feel like you don't belong and that no matter what people could do, you could never erase the past of what you feel. Maybe it's your own accusation, your own shame for failures in the past, for things that you've done, for things that right now you wish you would have never done, but they follow you, they track you, they lag behind you. Wherever you go, it seems like they pop up and you can never quite escape the shame of your past or chapters that you want to erase. I want you to notice from this passage that Jesus' reaction to this woman. The Bible tells us in verse 6 that Jesus didn't say yes or no. The crowd is waiting. They're saying, so what should we do, Jesus? The Pharisees are angrily looking at Jesus and saying, tell us, what should we do? People are gathering around with rocks in their hands, gripped. Just tell the signal and we'll throw the rocks at her. Children are gathering by their mother. Spectators are gathering. The crowd is getting bigger. And Jesus is right in the middle. The disciples are around him. The crowd is gathering. The commotion is building up. And all the eyes are now fixed on Jesus. What will he say? As all the eyes are fixed on Jesus, as the Pharisees demand an answer, Jesus does something extremely unusual. He bends down. And he starts to write in the ground. The Bible says that in the middle of the crowd, he bends down and he begins to write in the sand. Man, I wish I had a, I wish I had a video camera to see exactly what he was writing. There's been a lot of speculation about what Jesus wrote. Give us an answer. Give us an answer. And yet Jesus wrote. Now some scholars have a little bit of an inkling of what he may be writing. Because the word for writing, normally in the Greek, is the word graphen. It means to write. But John, when he writes about what Jesus did in the Greek, he says, Jesus bent down and catagraphin. The word kata means to be against something, so it implies that Jesus was writing something against 
someone. I don't know exactly what Jesus wrote. Some people think maybe he was writing the Ten Commandments. Some people think that maybe Jesus was writing the sins of other people. I happen to believe that maybe Jesus was writing the names of people and beside them, the sins that they had committed. Because later on, as Jesus continues to write, he says, he lifts up his head as he continues to write. The crowd is around him, and he says, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he stooped down, and he continued to write on the ground. Imagine him writing as Jose holds a rock in his hand. Just give me the word. I want to pounce her. And Jesus writes, Jose slept with his girlfriend last weekend. Susan hates Mary, wanted her dead. And Susan's saying, must be another Susan. I go by Susie, by the way. I don't know exactly what he wrote, but the Bible says that his people were there and that Jesus continued to write, and he said to them, he who is without sin, let him throw the first stone, that it seems to be, and notice what he says, it says they started to walk away one at a time. The more he wrote... From the eldest to the youngest. The older, the older man, the Pharisee, sees his name. Pharisee John. Blew up at his wife. Smacked her in the face. Two weeks ago. As people see their sin, they start to drop the stones and walk away. You're listening to Bold Steps, the Bible teaching of Mark Job, and we've got more just ahead. But real quick, I want to remind you of the place to go if you ever miss one of these daily messages. Go to our website, boldstepsradio.org. Or subscribe to the Bold Steps podcast and listen straight from your phone wherever you go. You'll find us on most podcast apps by searching for Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job. And another great way to fit in some more Bold Steps lesson is through the new Bold Steps Minute, where you'll hear a short 60-second piece of Mark's insightful Bible teaching. To start listening today, just visit boldstepsminute.org. Right now, let's continue with today's lesson. It's titled, The Power of a Second Chance. We're looking at John chapter 8, where Jesus confronted a crowd of people prepared to stone a woman for adultery. Jesus began writing something in the sand. Then he said to the ground, Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. I wish I could have been there to hear the drop the rock. Drop the rock. Little by little, the more Jesus writes, I don't know how long he was there, maybe a half hour, maybe 45 minutes, maybe an hour, he's writing. And by this time, he's writing around here. He keeps writing. The more he writes, he writes around. And the more he writes, the quieter it gets, the more silent it becomes, the more they walk away from the oldest to the youngest until in my mind, there's probably just a little boy left watching the writing. And then the little boy walks away as well. And now, 
The crowd is gone. Not a person is there except Jesus and the woman. By this time, her tears have dried up a little bit. Her hair still just shoveled. She has the, te- the stains of tears down her face. She's standing there with his head down, looking in shame, probably still shaking. And the Bible says that Jesus, it says he stooped down and he wrote, verse 9, at this, all those who heard him began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Can I tell you something? Grace drives condemnation away. Grace drives condemnation away. You see, grace is undeserved, unmerited favor. Grace is something that we don't deserve, but God gives us. Anybody named Grace here? Raise your hand if you're named Grace. Yeah, yeah. Grace, come here, Grace. Come on, Grace. Come here, Grace. You know, Grace is a great name. Did you know that? Oh, and I just look at her, and she looks like a Grace to me. She's got that big smile. And, you know, here's what Grace does. Come up here, Grace. Grace always wanted to be on stage, I could tell. You know, Grace is here. And and you know what? We're going to take another guy. You know, we're going to, we'll get our security guy. This guy, let's call him condemnation, okay? (laughs) You know, here's what, here's what, here's what Grace does. Grace, have you ever chased someone with a broom before? Oh, you don't have to admit it. Don't admit it. (laughs) But you know what Grace does is when I'm right here, Condemnation comes. Come here, Grace, get in front of condemnation. I know he looks big. I know he looks intimidating. Could you give him a push in the chest, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A stronger push, Grace. (laughs) Grace is full of grace. Hey, this is what Grace does. When condemnation comes, Grace, just put your arms out against him, Grace. Yeah, yeah. What Grace does is that Grace pushes condemnation away. Grace pushes him one at a time, pushes condemnation away, And when you're full of grace, when you're full of grace, condemnation disappears. Jesus was full of grace. And because he was full of grace, all the condemners disappeared because grace pushes condemnation away. Let's give it up for grace. Thank you, grace. Let me help you down here. That's why every time I finish a service, I pray for grace upon you. That's why I want grace in my life because I want the undeserved, unmerited favor of God. I know I deserve condemnation. I know if it were up to me, I would deserve hell. But I have the grace of God. I say, come grace of God upon me. Jesus said, whoever is without sin... Let him cast the first stone. Now in the stoning tradition, I'm not talking about like, you know, stoning, that kind of stoning. I'm talking about the stoning tradition. Now in the stoning tradition, there always had to be an initiator. There was the first person that would initiate the stoning and everybody would follow, usually the leader. 
And Jesus said, if there's anybody without sin, let him be the first to throw the stone. If there's anybody without sin, the only one in the entire crowd that was without sin was the one that was stooped down riding in the sand, Jesus the Messiah, the spotless Lamb of God, who had never sinned from the beginning until the end, who never had a thought of sin, who never was jealous, who never was, who, who never sinned in any way. The only one that had the right to condemn her was the one that was offering grace. The only one that could throw the stone was Jesus. But instead of throwing the stone, he offered grace. That's the power of the gospel. That the one person that has, who has the power to condemn you, the one person that can send you to hell, the one person who has the right to say, I'm perfect and you're not, instead he offers the grace that pushes condemnation away. It tells us in John chapter 3, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he not believed in the name of God's one and only son. As I talk about this, here's what I understand. There are some of you in this auditorium that you relate to the shame-filled woman. And you're here today feeling, I don't know if I can ever overcome my past. Pastor, you don't know what I've done, and I don't. To be honest with you, I don't want to know the gory details. Maybe you're sitting here in this auditorium saying, what haunts me at night is how old my aborted son or daughter would be. I think of them and who I was and how it happened. Maybe you're here today and you've been a violent man and caused some damage and hurt to people. Maybe you're sitting here with an STD, feeling the shame of a life that you lived kind of recklessly in the day, suffering the consequences of it. Maybe you walk in this place and you feel like, you know, I could never be like those people because I'm this person. And I want to say that what God offers to you is grace. Undeserved, unmerited grace. And the story isn't finished yet. Maybe you are on the other side and consider yourself to be a good person. Maybe you're the one with a stone in your hand. Join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this important lesson, The Power of a Second Chance. But before then, take a moment to visit our website at boldstepsradio.org and check out all the faith-building resources we have available, like our Bold Step gift. To tell us more about it, here once again is Mark Job. Most of us know that the Christmas celebration is all about Jesus. But if we're being honest, how much of this season do we actually spend time focusing on Christ? With all of the list of things to do, the gifts to buy, it seems like sometimes Jesus ends up taking the back seat to his own celebration. And that's exactly why our Bold Step gift is such a timely resource. It's a precious and innovative devotional called Unwrapping the Names of Jesus. Author Asherita Chuchu helps us refresh our appreciation for the Savior. 
by dwelling on each of the meaningful names of Jesus. This four-week devotional is full of prayers, thoughtful reflections, and fun-filled activities for the whole family. So gather beside the fire and go deeper in your appreciation for who Jesus really is. Make a choice to make this season all about Christ. Once again, the book is called Unwrapping the Names of Jesus. You can request a copy of this engaging devotional today when you give a gift of any amount to support the ministry of Bold Steps. To send your gift online, just visit boldstepsradio.org or you can call us at 844-615-7363. That's 844-615-7363. You can also request your copy of Unwrapping the Names of Jesus and give your financial gift through the mail. Address your envelope to Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And during this season of giving, would you consider becoming a bold partner in helping us continue these Bible-based messages into the new year? Our bold partners give on a monthly basis, and it is their steady support that helps make these broadcasts possible. As an added bonus, when you sign up to give $30 a month or more, you'll also get the Moody Publishers discount code of 50%. This will get you half off every devotional, Bible study, and kids book at the Moody Publishers website. Sign up to become a bold partner today at boldstepsradio.org or call 844-615-7363. Well, that's going to wrap up our time for today. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and tomorrow we continue with part two of this message, The Power of a Second Chance. So we'll see you again Wednesday, right here on Bold Steps with Mark Joe. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.